I've decided to call our study The Blessing of Pentecost. And I'd like to read a few verses out of Acts chapter 1 and also out of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And then out of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there, there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Pentecost. What does it mean? The word means... Uh, the background of the word uh, Pentecost in the Greek means 50. And it was the 50th day after the Feast of First Fruits, according to Leviticus 23. I'll let you study up on that yourself if you are interested there. Uh, Leviticus chapter 3. But it was called Pentecost, meaning 50, and it marked 50 days. In, in Christian history, the day of Pentecost is associated specifically with the descent of the Spirit on the believing community in Jerusalem. And that is according to Acts chapter 2, which we just read. So for, for us today... It continues to be a celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the founding of the church, the body of Christ, and the beginning of its evangelistic mission. In that sense, the book of Acts is a continuing story. We are here today, you and I, because of what happened then. Also, Acts is, a, is an historical book and a book of transition. With Pentecost and with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we've moved from the dispensation of law to the dispensation of grace. The, the Spirit, three things. The Spirit marks the beginning of the Christian experience. The Spirit is the power of our new lives. And the Spirit unites the Christian community in Christ. That is the church. As Christians, we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. One God, co-equal, co-equal and co-eternal. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as the third person of the Trinity, but that in, in no way implies that he is inferior to the Father and the Son. Rather, it denotes his function within the Godhead. One writer puts it this way. I thought this was kind of a neat explanation. The Old Testament is the age of the Father for his people. And we know from reading the Old Testament how often God directly intervened as God for his people. And in the New Testament, the writer says, it, this is the age of the Son with his people. He's talking about when Jesus first came to earth as a baby in Bethlehem. He was with his people till his ascension. And now, the present, or church age as we call it, is the age of the Spirit in his people. So we have for and with and in. And that's what I'd like for us to center on this morning. The age of the Spirit in his people. God the Holy Spirit takes up his abode within the body of every Christian. Just think about that. What a wonderful, what a wonderful and thrilling truth that is. The Holy Spirit takes up his abode within the body of every Christian. How wonderful are the words of assurance found in John, 1 John 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, meaning evil forces, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Holy Spirit now dwells in believers, and his presence is permanent, not temporary, according to John 14, 16, that he may be with you forever. Let's consider then some of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. That's why I called it the blessing of Pentecost. First one is regeneration. What is regeneration? What is it not? Regeneration is not reformation. We do not receive a new lease on life. We receive a new life altogether. Like every other aspect of our salvation, regeneration is an act of God. Only God can give new life. Also, Regeneration is not a process, but an instantaneous act of God. I'll share a story here. Maybe I've shared it before. I ask for your forgiveness if I repeat my story sometimes. But way back when I was in high school, and you know that's way back, uh, there was a certain fellow, and I, I kind of liked the guy, but he was a rather uh, troublemaker in school, and uh, he... I. People would rate him as one of the most unlikely to ever come to faith. He didn't want much to do with spiritual things at all. But uh, I didn't mind the fellow. But after graduation and high school was done, we went our separate ways. Uh, we got married. We had families. Uh, I don't know how many years passed, but I remember uh, being at the Brandon Winter Fair, and I was just walking through the crowds or with the crowds through the 
through the building there and all of a sudden I feel a hand on my shoulder and I turn around and I look and I said, Neil, this was the fellow that I'd been in high school with many, many years ago. And we got talking, we made small talk, you know, uh, where, where do you live now? Are you married? Do you have a family? On and on. And then I asked him, I said, Neil, what do you do now? And then a big smile came on his face. And he looked at me and he said, you're not going to believe this. And he told me how he was presently working for a mission organization spreading the gospel around the world. Only God can give new life. Let's not give up. Let's not give up on people. And many of you could relate similar stories, I'm sure. God is good. When we exercise God's gift of faith and trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately imparts new life to us. Faith comes first, regeneration follows, and all is of God. The second ministry of the Holy Spirit, we are indwelt by the Spirit. We touched on this a little earlier. Romans 8 verse 9, However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God, excuse me, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And also 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom ye have of God, and you are not your own? This fact has tremendous implications for believers, for you and I, both by way of comfort and also by way of challenge. The indwelling Spirit is a source of great comfort to Christians because His presence is our guarantee of heaven. Another comforting aspect, the third one now, aspect of the truth that the Holy Spirit indwells us is, that, is the teaching that He seals us. We are sealed by the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. The sealing of the Holy Spirit marks us as God's own. In ancient times, a king's seal signified ownership. If the king owned something, he would place his seal on that object. No one could touch it. No one could take it. It was his and his alone. It identified that object or even that person with a particular king. And again, forgive me for repeating a personal story. When our granddaughter was a young girl, she had a, she had a poster above her bed, which to me, her grandpa was so precious. The poster said this, I am a princess. My father is the king of kings, sealed belonging to the King of Kings. Sealed marks us as God's own. And a seal also signified safety and security as well as value and genuineness. 
When the Bible says that you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, it assures us that we bear God's imprint. We are marked out as belonging to him and that we are safe forever. Number four then, baptism, the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit. The baptizing work of the Holy Spirit places believers into the spiritual body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 reads this way. By one spirit are, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free. So Jesus, speaking to his followers during the time between his resurrection and ascension, made reference to the baptism with the Spirit. Acts 1, 4, and 5, which we read earlier, and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. We may wonder about the signs that attended the coming of the Holy Spirit, as we read, the sound of rushing wind, the tongue-like flames, the miraculous speech. Should we be looking for them today? I believe not. The coming of the Holy Spirit was a unique event. Pentecost was a one-time unique event, as was the miracle of Bethlehem and also of Calvary. Further to this topic on baptism, let me read Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The one baptism referred to here, I believe, is not a reference to water baptism, but to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And only by that baptism can you and I be added to the body of Christ. Also, this baptism takes place simultaneously with conversion. When an individual believes in Jesus Christ, he is born of the Spirit, baptized by the Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit, and sealed by the Spirit. Let me repeat that. When an individual believes in Jesus Christ, he is born of the Spirit, he is baptized by the Spirit, he is indwelt by the Spirit, and sealed by the Spirit. And then number five, the final point, the Holy Spirit fills us. Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You all know that a drunk person is controlled by the alcohol in him. And the result is that he acts in ways that are normally unnatural to him. Similarly, the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit acts in ways that are unnatural to the old nature. 
A person filled with the Holy Spirit is controlled by him and lives on a much higher plane than the natural man or unbeliever. His life has changed. I told you the story of my friend. To be filled with something, therefore, means to be under its control. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, then, is to be so influenced by, controlled by, or permeated by Him that we will reflect God's moral character and be strengthened by His power. To be filled with the Spirit involves our continuing voluntary surrender to God, otherwise we miss God's best for us. The question then, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we obey this command in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit? God's part is clear. He will fill us, but what is our part? To put it very simply, we will enjoy the filling of the Holy Spirit as we trust the Lord and obey His Word. And when we fail, and we all do, we confess our sins and claim His forgiveness and cleansing. We need to pray that His Spirit fill us. Not only does Spirit filling result in a change in the inner man and in our life and in our relationships, it also produces a desire to work for Christ. If you and I are to serve the Lord effectively, we must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, also from our scripture reading this morning, but you shall receive power. This is not our own power. This is the Spirit's power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. God has important work for you and me to do for him. But we must do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. May we do the work of the Lord with a prayerful dependence on his Spirit. And as the disciples of old, filled with the Spirit of God, speak the Word of God with boldness. May this be our prayer. May this be our desire. May we all leave a legacy of faith for future generations. I'd like to close with a little writing from Max Licato in his introduction to the book of Acts. It goes like this. They aren't the same men. Oh, I know they look like it. They have the same names, the same faces, the same mannerisms. They look the same, but they aren't. On the surface, they appear no different. Peter is still brazen. Nathaniel is still reflective. Philip is still calculating. They look the same, but they aren't. They aren't the same men you read about in the last four books, talking about the Gospels. The fellows you got to know in the Gospels, these are the ones, but they're different. You'll see it. As you read, you'll see it in their eyes. You hear it in their voices. You feel it in their passion. These men have changed. 
as you read, you'll wonder, are these the same guys? The ones who doubted in Galilee? The ones who argued in Capernaum? The ones who ran for their lives in Gethsemane? And you'll wonder, are these the same men? The answer is no. They are different. They have stood face to face with God. They have sat at the feet of the resurrected King. They are different. Within them dwells a fire not found on earth. Christ has taught them. The Father has forgiven them. The Spirit indwells them. They are not the same. And because they are different, so is the world. Read their adventures and be encouraged. Read their adventures and be listening. What God did for them, he longs to do for you. Amen. Would you bow with me for the benediction? Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you as you go and have a great week. Thank you.